0: Good morning, church family. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise to start off our first worship service in the new year. Hallelujah. Praise team. Thank you this morning. I just want to be the first to say to you as a church, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Uh, let me let me give you some fun facts that I learned about the New Year's Day uh, celebration. New Year's Eve, actually celebration here in the United States of America. Uh, every uh, New Year's Day recently, on average, $1.1 billion is spent on New Year's travel, with at least 6.7 million people expected to pay an average of $165 for a round-trip plane ticket. Now, those people are obviously not flying in and out of Monroe, Louisiana, where it's like $1,000 to go anywhere. Uh, eight out of ten Americans spend less than $200 on New Year's Eve. Forty-five percent of Americans plan to celebrate New Year's Eve with family, and only 15 percent attended public events or parties. It's an interesting tidbit of information for you. 17.1 percent of emergency room visits on New Year's Eve are alcohol or drug-related, which is the most of any holiday. Forty-nine thousand nine hundred people get hurt in car crashes on New Year's Eve holiday. The average, this is another tough one, Blood alcohol content on New Year's Eve is .094, making it the most drunken night of the year. And I feel sorry for all those people bound by the sin of substance abuse. This is the statistic I wanted to get to. Eighty percent of New Year's resolutions fail by February of the same year that they're made. Twenty-two percent of Americans admit That their 2019 resolutions were the exact same as the resolutions they had for 2018. (laughs) Alright, so here's what that last fact tells us. That people all across the United States of America really genuinely do long for change. They long for transformation. And 80% of people don't experience the change that they so desperately seek. Now, this is tragic for a couple of reasons. Let me name at least two. First, this means that despite having the genuine desire to change, which is the hardest step in experiencing transformation, to take a risk, to go out into the unknown, to get unfamiliar and uncomfortable in your surroundings, to be honest with myself, to admit that there's something to me needs to be changed. And to have that desire is extremely difficult. And lots of people have that desire, willing to be honest with themselves, admit that transformation is needed. And at least 80% don't experience the change that they seek. Second, tragic thing about this is that in some way people also attempt to be different. They show up to the gym. They get on a diet plan. They join a recovery group. And despite trying. They fail. And they fail after a very short time. Let me tell you something. I hope you'll always remember church. And something that I hope. You feel called to share. With every single person. You ever meet. In your life. That the gospel. Of Jesus Christ. The death. The Burial, resurrection, and eventual return of our Lord is the way life changes. It's a guarantee. The gospel is both the method and means of transformation, and it works every single time a human being experiences its truth and its power. This is Jesus' point in Matthew 7, 7, and 8. He puts it like this, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened and transformation will be had. God has moved us as a church and as leadership to focus on the gospel, the most transformational force in the universe in 2020. And we are prepared as a leadership and as a staff for God to move powerfully in your life, in our church, and in this community this year. So what difference does the gospel make in a life? We're talking about transformation. We're talking about difference. And we're talking about change. What is it exactly that the gospel changes? What kind of transformation does the gospel develop ...in the lives of those who genuinely experience its truth and its power. Let's look at what the Bible teaches about that, okay? And let's turn to Acts chapter 9... ...and let's talk through the experience of a powerful transformation had by a man named Saul. I'm going to pick up Acts chapter 9 and verse 1. The Bible says this... Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples... He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. In this text, we see a broken, held captive, imprisoned man who is completely blind to his brokenness, has no sense of his captivity And no awareness that he is in a prison he himself cannot break free from. This man intends to make prisoners of anyone who claims Jesus Christ as Lord. Later on in the scriptures in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15, Saul, which was his Hebrew name, and being a Roman citizen, we know him and often refer to him by his Latin name, Paul, is training a young man in ministry and tells... Timothy, the young man that he's training, that this is a trustworthy saying, worthy of full acceptance, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, and he identifies himself as the worst of sinners. This man, this murderous, sinful man, who's got no idea of the level of his brokenness, is on his way for an encounter. To pick up the text in Acts chapter 9 and verse 3, the Bible records as this man, Paul, who our text refers to as Saul, nears Damascus on his journey. Suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard voices say, say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up and go into the city. And you'll be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there, speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand to Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Paul, Saul, in our text, had an encounter with the resurrected risen Lord. At WFR, we love this story because we celebrate the truth that Jesus is alive. He is sitting at the right hand of the Father, mediating between God and man, actively working to bring about salvation for all people. He has conquered death, life, and eternity for all who would be transformed by him. In this encounter, Paul is struck blind for the rest of his journey to Damascus. His friends have to help him up from the ground and lead him to a man named Ananias. And in Acts 9, verse 17, Ananias goes to the house and enters it, places his hands on Saul, and he says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again... And be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now I want us to focus in on verse 18. For 2020. And immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. In this section of scripture, we get a sense for the difference... That the gospel makes. I want to share just a few thoughts with you on that. The first transformation a person undergoes when they encounter the truth and power of the gospel. When they obey the gospel. Is that the gospel makes that person brand new. The gospel makes that person brand new. Erases the past. Cleanses from sin. And it's not necessarily that a person becomes a different human, but a person becomes a different being altogether. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 20, listen to the change in Paul. At once he began to preach in the synagogue that Jesus was the Son of God. The same guy who was once going to put in prison... Followers of Jesus, who would murder followers of Jesus, who would slander followers of Jesus, was now the kind of man who would affirm publicly to everyone he would meet for the rest of his life that Jesus Christ was Lord and the Son of God. Paul was the same human, but he was a totally different being after the gospel transformed his life. The second transformation that people experience through the gospel is that the gospel gives each person their purpose and the power to fulfill it. It's not that you and I of our own strength, of our own talent, or of our own ability can fulfill our God-given purpose. But when the same Spirit that resurrected Jesus Christ from the dead lives within us and works within us, then the power of that Spirit can and does help us learn what our purpose is and give us the power To fulfill it. The truth is, by the power of the gospel, you have a purpose and God will bestow upon you the power to fulfill it. Also in Acts 9 and verse 22, Saul grew more and more powerful. And he baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving to them that Jesus was the Messiah. Can you imagine this scene? The same people that Paul had consistently shown why the followers of Jesus were out of their minds, why they should be put in prison, why they were not authentic followers of the one true God, was now the person trying to convince those very religious leaders that Jesus was Lord. And as he preached, as he taught, as he worked among the people, he grew in the power of the Spirit. So much so that the Jews who were living around him were baffled. That's the power of God manifesting itself in the life of a person transformed by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And it's an experience each person whose life has been transformed by the gospel shares the third transformation a person experiences through the gospel is that the gospel restores our sight. It's not that something different is seen after life has been transformed by the gospel. As much as one sees the world differently, sees the world through different eyes. As I've talked about this in the past, I give a story of my beautiful bride, Kirsten, and I brag on myself a lot for having manipulated her into marrying me. And here's a true story about her. In about the fourth grade, a teacher saw her squinting from where she was sitting in a classroom at the board in the front of the class. And the teacher asked my wife if she was having trouble seeing the chalkboard my wife said yeah she was and she was squinting at it so the teacher recommended to my mother-in-law to take my bride to the doctor they go to an optometrist she gets fitted with a pair of glasses and walks outside and sees the world differently and what Kirsten would tell you is that a tree one of the things that so surprised her as she walked out of the doctor's office that day is that a tree actually had individual leaves on it and wasn't just this clump of like green surrounding a tree For Kirsten and for the Apostle Paul, a tree was still a tree, a river was still a river, a human being was a human being, but their sense of that world was different. And for Paul and for each life transformed by the gospel, it's no longer an experience of the world in the natural. It's an experience of the world in the supernatural, seeing with eyes. Transformed by the gospel in the spirit. Acts 26 and 19, Paul talking to King Agrippa says, I was not obe- disobedient to the vision I received from heaven. And when heaven changed Paul's vision, Paul saw the world differently. We're blessed at White's Road Church to get to share in the journeys of men and women and couples whose lives have been transformed by the gospel. And as a church, we wanted to start the new year giving you some very clear biblical truth on what exactly the gospel transforms in a life. And we want to show you and let you listen to some stories of some people whose lives have been transformed by the gospel. I want you to take a look at
1: this clip. Okay,
0: my name is Tammy Blanchard. Uh, I'm part of
2: the Transformation Crew, uh, and this is my story.
1: Uh, Derek McQueen, 32. I'm from the North Shore, of New Orleans. Um, I'm a child of God now, who uh, who are, is an awakening 514 and a proud member of White Fair Road Church.
3: I'm Colin Doyle.
4: I'm Christy Dunn,
3: and this is our story. Raised in Columbia, Louisiana, uh, lived there my whole life. Uh, Graduated from Caldwell Parish High School. Graduated college at ULM. Uh, got married in 2005. Uh, in 2006, we had a daughter named Anniston Dunn. Um,
1: I started, uh, you know, I was born in Slidell, Louisiana. Uh, great family, great family. Great upbringing. You know, uh, if, if you could like, you know, parable it to the Genesis. I, I felt like I, I grew up in the Garden of Eden. Um, went through high school, you know, could have went on to an Ivy League school to play football and baseball, full ride. But I, I chose, I call it my apple. You know, I chose to eat the apple. And uh, uh, drugs and Cajun women kind of put me on and down. Kind of, I'd say blinded me from the get-go.
2: I uh, started out as a young child, just uh, growing up with two addictive parents. um uh, you know just watching what they done and uh kind of like as a teenager I basically followed in their footsteps uh you know I didn't know no better I said I'd never do those things but when I got that age and it was put in front of my face you know I, I did it
4: uh I met someone that was um he was a musician in a band and I uh I guess from like the the turmoil of my parents and just kind of wanting to escape that I you know wanted to get married and I was kind of just looking for a way out um, a way out of that situation and um, and here you know and so ultimately we moved got married um, I was 22 and um, we moved to DC.
1: Then I just began partying on the weekends and then I, I, I... Be able to control it and, uh, you know, keep a job. And I owned a few businesses back then and had a house on the water, Uh, beautiful wife at one point, Uh, all kinds of material stuff.
2: So, uh, you know, I was young. uh, My mama would run off. So, you know, I started staying with this one or that one. Uh, Then one of her husbands messed with me and that kind of, I moved out at 11 after that. And basically from 11 and
3: on, you know, it just sent me down this wrong road so through through that, and not knowing how to channel that uh, in my first marriage, it kept me away from the house uh, kept me at the office, uh, me thinking I was doing everything just right because I was working and uh, making money and uh, but I was failing to be the father at home uh, probably that I should have been <clears throat> and So through that and through me just not being a leader in my house uh, our marriage ultimately collapsed.
1: And then finally I hit that rock bottom where I was sleeping in my truck didn't have nowhere to go. My family you know I I wasn't a good son, a good brother. Uh, Just everybody that was close to me I just, uh, I turned my back on them just like I turned my back on Jesus Christ.
4: He left and so so, um, I had a an infant and while well, I was pregnant, five months pregnant at the time, and then um, I had an infant and became a single mother of two.
3: I was blind to sin, blind to drugs. So we got a divorce in 2012, uh, and that was a real tough time uh, for me.
2: Um. On his daughter's you know, and uh, I, me and her didn't see eye to eye. She had lost her mom at a young age, so uh, I ended up leaving my kids there for, you know, a year or two. When I just went off them deep roads, started using heavy drugs. You know, I'd always used drugs, but not, you know, I didn't consider them hard drugs. Then I started doing it all, running from place to place, seeking it out lo- the love that I wanted. So, you know, but it wasn't the love. It, you know, I kept, you know, I didn't realize I was seeking out for Jesus the whole time. Oh, I was so blind to it.
4: Well, so I mean, there was there was a time when you know I was drinking so heavily that I was making um, some really bad choices. That I knew um, if if something didn't change, if I didn't change, that I wasn't going to be able to just keep making those choices without you know without things getting really bad.
2: And when I got up here, I started seeking God. And once I started seeking His Word and reading His Word, He would open my eyes a little bit more every time I would seek Him.
1: And they had a bed. I went through detox. And, and you know, I, somebody told me there to hide my shoes under the bed for me to get out and hit my knees. And I, from that moment on, I said, you know, if I, could, if I could just give this as much as I gave everything else, if I could give it to Christ... You know, well, I'm going to try it. Let's see what happens. And, and he, he has showed up and showed out. He has totally took the blinders off him, raised the scales from my eyes. I got
3: to a point to where I just told myself, you know, God, just send me somebody that loves you more than he loves me. I still had already met Christy, but I didn't know she was that person at the time. Uh,
4: it took quite a while
3: for him to figure so that out. So we started dating, and... Uh, you know but I he
2: helped me heal through that pain of getting it out and telling other people my story
1: and just in in seven months he has restored pretty much everything I've ever lost every relationship to me there there are no there's there's rough days but there are no bad days with Christ um because I've had some. I mean I'm looking back on a past that was full of them so I mean and with the light and with my eyes open it's uh to me there there are no bad days even even the struggles are great days compared to where I was but
2: I want them to know that they have a heavenly father that will never leave them no matter what and he will always
3: walk them through it
1: being an addict for so many years I finally found what I was supposed to be addicted to and that's Lord Christ and seeking his word
3: if you're in small group if you're doing house church if um, if you go on the step study whatever it may be you're at that point you're surrounded with people that whenever you whenever things do get tough, you, you have somebody there to share with that you know will be honest with you. Uh, and that's one thing that I've always <clears throat> really loved about this church uh, and what it offers is it, it's, it's more than just a Sunday morning service.
0: Church family, let me just say again that the gospel of Jesus Christ has the power to transform any and every life. So in 2020, for us to have a 2020 vision as a church, we're going to let the gospel change how we see the world. Yeah, we're going to let it transform us into different beings and give us purpose and the power to fulfill that purpose. But we want to see everything we experience in life. Through the gospel of Jesus. We're going to focus on the gospel in discipleship, in our rooted groups, in our community groups, and in our Bible classes. How does the gospel change who we are, what our purpose is, and how we see the world? We're going to focus on the gospel in our community at WFR University through reengage, celebrate recovery, heartfelt, embrace grace and so many other community oriented outreaches. How does the gospel change the people from our community who are coming to those lighthouse, safe haven types of places and give people purpose and the power to fulfill it and change how people experience the world, how they see the world? We're also going to have a gospel focus in our fellowship During peak of the week, during Sunday morning worship, during Bible studies that happen at WFR, all throughout the week, we're going to let the truth of the gospel transform us into different beings, give us our purpose and the power to fulfill it and change how we see the world. As we stay focused on the gospel, we will fulfill our mission to make disciples that love God, love others And share Jesus and the lives of many, ladies and gentlemen, will be transformed. I want to take a second to speak personally to you right now. Kirsten and I have some very exciting, very God-centered, God-designed, God-led things coming up for us in 2020. So often when I think of the mission of our church, the DNA of WFR and the power of the gospel, which all correspond and work together with one another, I'm reminded of the difference that the gospel and White Street Road Church have made in my life, like the lives of the individuals we just saw in that video. Fifteen short years ago, and I'm going to spare you the gory details of this story, I was at the bottom of the deepest pit. I was in complete and total despair, depressed, abandoned, heartbroken, and in all ways nearly dead. But then, in the midst of that darkness, a light began to shine. This light was the light of the gospel. This light was life. And as it turns out, this is the same light that shed on the whole world when Jesus, the light of all mankind, came to the earth. By the grace of God, through the power of the gospel, my depression was turned into joy. I was no longer abandoned But adopted into a family. And my broken heart was mended and made whole. That's what we've just heard. But the truth is, I did end up dying. I was laid to rest by the gospel and made new by the gospel. It's not that I became a different human, you understand. But I absolutely became a different Being all together a member of the family of God, forgiven, made pure, made whole, set apart and given the power to fulfill my purpose. Which is what I had been looking for all along. Hallelujah. And It's not that I see a different world, but by the grace of God, I do see the world differently. And through this gospel-centered transformation, God led Kirsten and I to WFR Church. Some of you would know this, but when Kirsten and I moved to Louisiana to say that we were both terrified would be like the understatement of the century. We felt like we were moving to the planet Mars. You guys ate crawdads, which you call crawfish. At the time, we had an 18-month-old baby, which is my oldest, Adrian, who's now 11. We had a 14-day-old baby, and I kept thinking to myself, I've got to make it to WFR. Everybody that I trusted told me when we got down here to find this church and that it would be a lighthouse of support for us. And I was shocked when I walked into the doors for the first time. Some of you that know me know this story. I was in a suit and tie, really motivated to put off the right first impression, And it happened to be Duck Commander Sunday where everybody was in camouflage. Most of the audience had their face painted and there was even a young lady who was blowing into what I now know to be a duck call. Kirsten and I realized pretty quickly we were not in Kansas anymore. (laughs) Over the years, Whites Ferry Road, and there's just no other way to describe it than this, has been a perfect, perfect fit for me and my family. Perfect because it's helped fit and mold us into what God has planned for us to become. And sometimes I feel like it's unfair to you. I think God often calls men to churches for the benefit of the church. But our testimony about Whitesbury Road is that God called Trent and Kirsten to Whitesbury Road Church for the benefit of Trent and for Kirsten. And I can only hope that one day this church will feel as blessed by me as Kirsten and I have felt by it. I want to share with you some very joyful, very exciting news that the same God who called my family and I to this place almost 10 years ago is calling us to a new place and into a new season. Over the past few months, I've been talking with our elders and praying about God's leading in our life and ministry And in that process, God has called me to teach and train graduate students in counseling at Colorado Christian University. So Kirsten and I, heavy heartedly, and in some ways angrily, because it's not always easy to follow the leading of the Lord, will follow the Lord's leading to Colorado in March of this year. This is a big transition that my family, our elders, and some trusted mentors feel is the right step for my family and I. This is a transition, again, that we need to celebrate. This isn't taking place because of any failure on the part of any person. There's no frustration or any other issue other than the faithful commitment Kirsten and I and our elders have made to faithfully follow the leadership of our Lord in every season of life. So, today... It's with a joyful but also heavy heart that I announce this is going to be my last sermon to you as your minister. Over the next few months, Kirsten and I are looking forward to worshiping with you, attending Whitesbury Road, loving on you, and getting loved on by you, which we need as we prepare for what for us is a very exciting, God-led new season. While we'll be attending and worshiping with you over the next few months... The elders have been very gracious to give me the opportunity to say some words to you as your minister for one last time. And I want to take a moment briefly to speak those words over you. So as a church, White's Road, I want you to know that you're beautiful. I prayerfully ask you to stay committed to your mission. To make disciples who love God, love others, and share Jesus. That's the role you have played in my life, making me a better disciple and follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, who really has grown into a deeper love for others. I know you'll stay committed to this, but I wanted to say that out loud. White Three Road, you have had an immeasurable impact on my life and on my family. As I said before, if I one day happen to be a fraction of the blessing you have been to us, it would be one of the greatest fortunes of my life. You have blessed us because of who you are, because of your DNA, because of your love for each and every person that crosses the threshold of these doors, and because of the love you share for people that you know have yet to come to this lighthouse, Whitesbury Road Church, stay on the front lines and don't apologize for being there. The front lines are a scary place. It's messy. It's dangerous. Sometimes it's violent. Decisions have to be made quickly. And so many churches and individuals run from the places that fighting is the fiercest. But that's not been you. You run towards the battle every time. You seek out the roar. You diligently draw your sword, head into the cave, and fight the dragon. And it's changed my life. Keep it up, because it's still changing lives. Ray Road Church, keep sailing in the deep water. The fishing's always the best. But as we found over the years, the deep water is always the least predictable. Thank you. For your commitment to go out into the stormy seas. Thank you for your commitment to go where few are willing to ever go. And thank you for your commitment to enduring storm after storm after hurricane force storm. Your commitment to sailing into the deep water and taking risks is no doubt how a broken, messed up Midwesterner with no Louisiana cultural background ends up in a role like I have at such a great church. Stay in the deep water. Keep the lines deep and keep reeling in the fish that have been desperate for somebody to help them out of the water for ages. This community, this state, this nation, and this whole world needs you just as two scared new parents from the Midwest have needed you. And Whites Ferry Road, keep loving others. Keep loving when it hurts, but what you do as a church is you love especially when it hurts. When the battle is fiercest, fiercest, when you're being abandoned, when you're being betrayed, when you're being spoken of poorly, you have kept on loving. What a testimony to the love God demonstrates to us through Jesus Christ and the love He showed us by sending His Son to broken, imperfect, slanderous people. Now, when we really love hurting people, it's never perfect. Balls can be dropped. Feelings can be hurt. Stones can even be tossed our way. But you've kept on loving. And it is making a difference, and it's made a difference in me. The love God showed me through the lives of Christians, listen to this. The love God showed me through the lives of Christian people is what changed my life. I've been to every expert, every kind of treatment, every medication you can possibly imagine and nothing worked until I experienced the genuine love of the Lord through followers of Jesus Christ. Amen. And let me just say this. I'm 15 years transformed and there's no way I make it to year 15 had you not shown me that same kind of love. Thank you for helping me get this far. Amen. To keep the momentum going, as Kirsten and I transition, and again, we'll be worshiping with you for the next few months, I've asked some all-stars to step into my role, and I'd like to think that you'll miss hearing me speak on a weekly basis, but you and I both know when Alan and Mike jump into this pulpit, we're not going to miss a beat. I know you'll be excited, supportive, and encouraging to have their preaching and leadership play a bigger role than it has, and they're going to share more about that next weekend. After service today, fittingly, we're going to have a time of fellowship. This is such a an occasion of celebration, but since everybody is happy, since this is happening in a very healthy way, there's a heaviness there is because of the love we share for one another. So I want to invite you to lunch today, and I want us to celebrate being gospel-focused in 2020. Whether we are here in northeast Louisiana, on different sides of the globe, or even on different sides of eternity. I am excited for what God is doing in my life and at Whites Ferry Road in 2020. Let's take some time today to hug, to talk, to laugh and pray together and share a meal as a family. I'm going to ask Mike and Alan to come up today. I want to be prayed over and conclude our services and I want you all... To keep loving on me, no matter where my family and I end up, and as Mike and Al are on their way, church family, there's just no way I can say how much I love you, appreciate you, and look forward to staying connected to this forever family for the rest of mine and my family's life, no matter where the Lord may lead any of us. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart.
5: Before I pray over Trent, I just want to let you know, the day of us being blessed by you and your wife and family is this day. And we're not better without the Langhoffers, but we are better because of the Langhoffers. What a blessing and a job well done, brother. Father, I just uh, I want to pray for my brother and Kirsten, their beautiful children, And I want to pray a prayer of thanksgiving first and foremost. Father, you have uh, blessed us these last seven years with hearts that have been totally engaged, totally in depth of our ministries here. And me sitting at the feet of this man, this young man with a great talent and a great ability that comes from you has been a great joy along with so many others that have come to know Christ, that have found freedom from addiction, that have found you. And so we are the better uh, because of Trent and Kirsten, their family. And we know, Father, that they now are a layer in our foundation that started over 60 years ago in this place with a vision, the same as what we're talking about today for the gospel of your son, Jesus we will not stall, we will not stop, we will not falter, but we will move forward. Thank you so much, Father, for the Langhoffers and the blessing that Trent has been in Kirsten to our church. We pray this in Jesus' name and ask a blessing on their future. Amen. So, Happy New Year. (laughs) Wow. There have been many men over 60 years that have stood in this spot, that have proclaimed the good news of Jesus, that have challenged us from the scriptures, that have been led to be here, including myself and the man standing next to me. What I've always said is it's never about the man in the box, but it's always about the man on the cross. That's who we point to. Trent, you did it well. And we're blessed because of it. But we're just beginning for the next season in our lives as the church. And so we're not going to falter, but we're going to forcefully advance the kingdom of God. And we're going to love him why we're doing it and the good news is i haven't forgotten how to preach it's still in there and neither has this man and others that we've been blessed to have in this spot as well i just want to challenge you as a church by god's grace as god was opening up a door for Trent, he opened up a door for lisa and i to be back here more and now i know what he was doing it's all him right So, we will give you some more specifics next week, but I want to share something with you as we go forward. And this is my promise. If I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it
6: in. Indeed, I cannot. You know, Al and I didn't talk about what we were sharing up here. And, uh, but I guess it's, I guess we still think a lot alike because he stole my verse. Uh, but I I just want to say, uh, one, how, how proud I am of you, Trent, and the, uh, change that you've helped bring about in my life. And, uh, we're going to offer, as we always do here, an invitation to come and lay your burden down. Uh, we always say at this church, no one responds alone. That includes the guy in the box, right? Uh, so while we will pray and uh, begrudgingly a little bit celebrate with you, you know, at the same time, what we do celebrate is the change that we've seen God bring about in your life and the change you brought about in ours. But look, change is still taking place, right? And it's a difficult thing. But there are people sitting right here in this audience that you may be ready to make that change. God's put that on your heart. His spirit is moving you. I can't think of a better day or a greater thing to celebrate than watching somebody come down this aisle, be baptized into Christ, and be changed true change change for eternity Well, whether it's the change you need to make in your own life of a sin you've been struggling with that's what the invitation is about it's just us who have been changed and continually strive to be changed saying to other folks "Come, come join in we'll help you walk that journey and that's what our invitation is all about so if you have a need if you have a burden if you have something you won't pray for We want to invite you to share that with our Forever family. And you can do that while we stand and while we sing this song.